0: Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast or webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. Just want to say thank you to anyone and everyone who supports any work that we do. Special shout out to all the students from By the Hood University, as well as all the youth from the By the Hood ownership camp. Speaking of the ownership camp, camp will be starting at the end of June. This episode will probably drop around June 1st, so um, you know, that means you have a couple weeks left still to get tickets for our Black Tire fair that we're having June 18th to support our camp. So for the camp, it goes from kids ages five and up. It's completely free. We're gonna teach them about the basics of finance, talk a little bit about real estate as well as the stock market and cryptocurrency. Um, and again, it's for kids ages five and up. It's completely free. And we want to shout out Better Than Success as well as Philadelphia Real Estate Week for partnering with us to take our camp to the next level. And they've uh, arranged for this amazing event coming June 18th. And for more information about that black tie event, it'll be in the description as well as the show notes. Um, it's the No Real Estate Gala. It's black tie, so you are gonna get suited and booted. Um, DJ Active is there. You no know, food is there. Open bar, so we're gonna have a ball. But it's all for the benefit of the youth from the Biblehood the Ownership Camp. I got my partner in crime, Corey. Omi me, Corey, what's up with you, good brother?
1: What it is, though. Every day above ground is a good day, so let's go get it.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And as you know, our platform is designed to highlight brothers and sisters who are doing positive work in the community, putting out positive energy, doing things to better our community. And we have a brother with us who's a real estate investor. He's a community activist. He wears so many hats. I'll let him tell a story. But he's doing a lot of positive work. Um, he actually invited me onto his platform that he shares with the Philadelphia Inquirer. And I want to bring on our brother, uh, Derek Kane, to talk about his work. Derek, what's up, Good brother what's going on guys how y'all doing today oh man we can't complain man everything's good man. so
2: how are you first and foremost i'm doing well i'm doing well it's a little hot but i'm, I'm all right yeah 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 it's yeah, definitely yeah, it's you know, definitely you uh, this it's quick
0: hot. man listen man listen it's definitely <laughs> hot out here in philly man right but listen man let's get right to it man you're doing a lot of positive work and we want to make sure that we share your story but tell us a little bit about your background where were you born and raised um and, and how was your upbringing
2: well my, my upbringing is, well, let me start off like this way. My story isn't kind of like traditional where, um, for me, uh, we moved from North Philly when I was young to the Northeast. Um, so pretty much that's where I grew up at, was in the uh, far Northeast, and being being around so many different um, ethnic groups at the time, were majority white, but I've I've I got I've got to learn a lot about all the other ethnic groups being in the Northeast because it kind of was in the complexes that we lived at because none of us really lived in the houses we all lived in the complexes. It was just like a, a melting pot within those complexes. So yeah, so for the most part, I mean, going back and forth from North Philly to Northeast, visiting family stuff. That's pretty much how I was, you know, raised in, in, in the city.
0: Okay, what kind of student were you coming up?
2: Oh man, not a good one. um no not at all i didn't really pay attention in school at all i mean i literally barely made it out of high school i actually had to go to girls high for um (laughs) for some school in order to get my diploma in the mail so i definitely didn't treat school the way i should have what high school did you end up going to i went to george washington high
0: school okay george washington okay okay as soon as you hear that i think football but
2: right exactly
0: that's either here nor there but um Mm -hmm. all right so um went to washington you went to uh summer school to get that when you were around that age, what were your plans? Like, what were your ideas? What are some of the things that you were that you thought you were going to do with your life?
2: See, that's the thing. Back then, I didn't really have, like, a plan as far as really what – like, I, I always felt like, man, everybody kind of knew what they wanted to do. I never knew what I wanted to do. But I did know I didn't want to go to college. I knew I was never college material. So that was one thing like, I was adamant about. I'm like, I'm, I'm just not going to go and get a bunch of loans and go fail out because I just, I'm not into college like that. So I didn't really have, an, like, a uh, uh, – This is what I want to do moving forward vision. But I always knew that I had a good work ethic and I knew that I was going to be all right. So that's kind of how I did. I I winged it, to be honest with you.
0: Okay, so where did your journey take you after high school?
2: After high school, um, I started working with my sister, actually in a warehouse. She was working there doing um, she was in the office. She got me a job in there. She's like, all right, well, you're going to be in the crib. You got to do something. So I'm gonna get you a job over here with me. I started working there. And there I met a gentleman who ended up leaving there working at a pipe fitting union. And he ended up getting me there. So at an early age, I was what nineteen. I got I got a really good job in a pipe fitters union. So that that worked out.
0: Okay, so that comes from just like networking, meeting people, yeah, exactly, and yep. getting opportunities. Okay, yep. so that's, yep. that's first yep. one of the uh, one of, you know, make sure we mark that off. That's a gem right there in terms of like making uh relationships
2: and and not even what way you way.
1: know is who you know.
2: Right, yeah. right. Yes, yeah. For yes. the fact that he went over there, got he left the job that we were at because we were both working together. Went over there and thought about me because he saw my work ethic. So you know, I'm gonna bring you try to get him over here with me. So yeah, exactly. Networking.
0: Okay. So where did that take you when you get into this this good job? So what, what was your next step in your so, journey?
2: at that point now, I'm working, making really you know decent money at that time for only being 19, making the kind of money that I was making. Um, but I still didn't, that wasn't my journey. Like I I didn't want to work in a warehouse everywhere. So I wanted to get into real estate you know at the time i was watching heavy hgtv heavy like i was i was always watching it. i always kind of like it became like a, a thing i wanted to do so i i tried to go out and i tried to get loans and, and and try to get a mortgage which i didn't have no idea what none of that stuff was because at the end of, at the time i you know i always thought no credit was good credit because mm-hmm. my whole thing was why are they deny me i don't have any credit that's a good that should be a good thing yeah. but for you know as i, I as i got to learn at the time, it's like you know that's not going to work. You got to get you know yeah get some credit and you got to establish yourself in order for these banks to, to even take you seriously. So at that point, I knew I had to do more. So after getting constantly getting um, the no's, the denials for for mortgage and trying to get houses and trying to you know do the the, the rent thing, I ended up selling drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, during the day, I would work at my for the, uh union, and at night I would sell cocaine. So you know and I did that for a while until I was able to. You know, establish enough money to be able to go out here and purchase properties.
0: Hold up, so you actually while you were doing that, you still kept your regular job too.
2: I, I was, I was just, I had this. I always thought I was. I was calling myself like the the um the master of the Jedi back then. Like I, I just thought I had all the answers. So I would say, okay, well I'm gonna sell drugs, but I'm not gonna stop my job. I'm gonna keep working overtime. I'm just gonna disguise the fact that I'm doing all this stuff over here, so I don't look obvious and I don't get caught. So that was my mentality at the time. So yeah, I would work six days a week. I would do everything, but at you know at night I'll be selling coke.
0: Man, man, that's crazy. So, where so
2: I know where that journey led you. Uh, right. I, I,
0: so, tell, tell us that story if you're willing to share that with us. Like, what happened yeah.
2: with so that? I, um, so, fast forward, well, actually, really, what, what really changed me and really wanted me to be um, really focused and really wanted to take my financial stuff seriously and be more of a, 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 um independent man and take my daughter was born in 98. So, that kind of okay. changed my vision then. So, that's why I was really like focused on doing the best I could to support for my girl. At the time, my girl and my baby. So at that time, I'm I'm doing that. So in twenty in 2009, I end up getting sentenced. Um, I get caught. They kick my door in, do all that. They find uh, 1.5 keys in the crib, gun. So, boom. Now I'm locked up. My bill was 1.5 million. And In 2009, I was sentenced to a 10 year mandatory minimum sentence. Um, and that was my first offense. Wow.
0: First offense to give you a dime.
2: First offense. You know, I was up State Road at first, up in the state prisons. And at the time, um, I didn't know behind the scenes because of the amount of drugs they thought I, I would be able to give them something. So the feds made, you know, the state dropped the case. The feds picked it up and then they took me down to the feds. And that's when, of course, you know, at the time I'm like, I'm not, you know, we got to rock out. I'm not selling on nobody. It is what it is. You caught me. Yeah. Boom. So that's why I was sentenced with one of the 924 cs the gun charge that goes, it runs consecutive to any other, uh, any other charge. Like, so if you get life. They'll give you life plus the five years for the nine twenty four C for possession of, of the gun. So I had that. They ran consecutive to the drugs, which triggered a five year mandatory. The gun triggered a five year mandatory. So they ran consecutive, which gave me the ten to life. Mm, so out of that ten, you you walked off the whole you did the whole ten. No, in the feds, um, you, you get fifty four days a good time. So with the good time, I did eight years three months. Eight years
0: three months. Okay, so, um, tell us about that journey, right? So you 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 got. Through your relationships, got put into this, you know, this place where you're the quote-unquote good job. Um, you know, you're still trying to make things happen a little, right. little too fast. Right. Uh, you got caught up. So, like, what was that? What was it like for you? That that shift where now your time doesn't belong to you. Like, h- how was that? That transition to like, okay, I got to do this time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a huge shift in like just a lifestyle.
2: What was yeah. that like for you? In the beginning, I was so. I, I said I didn't really. I wasn't that familiar with the with the with the federal law. And also, and this I is still, your first
0: time, right? So yeah, you've
2: right. like a, a, a bunch time. of experience I mean, going back and forth. Right. I knew dudes that went to, to the feds, but I didn't know the severity of like how they do things and how they stack these this time on you. And that's why I think it's like a 98-something point something percent conviction rate, because they put so much time in your face. Like, you know, either you're going to tell or you're just going to take the best deal you can as far as, you know, pleading out. So mm-hmm. once I was able to, to grasp over that, because I also, the gun that I had, I was licensed to carry and registered in the state of Pennsylvania. So, I'm still trying to get through all of that. Like, I can't believe I just got a dime for five years for a gun that I was licensed to carry. All right, the drugs, I, I eat that five years all day long. I'm not gonna be the one to say I, I didn't. I sold drugs. I deserve that. So once I got through that part, the fact that all right, at the end of the day, now I have got this ten years. I got to do it. What's the best way to do this time without stressing yourself out and not being so much of a burden on your on your family out there? I was. I, I remember when I first came on the compound. It was a boy in there, and he had like thirty years. And he was just like, you're just coming in. He's like, yeah, he said, I'm here on a fresh dime. He said, you got fresh dimes. Yeah. He said, listen, I'm going to tell you you some advice. He said, you could do it like these dudes. And he pointed out on, on, the, um, on the compound. He was just playing ball running around, just doing whatever. He said you could do it like them where they just trying to milk time and just do whatever, just to get the time to go by. Or you can take advantage. You in a feds, you can take advantage of so many different people here. You have opportunities to meet people that you would have never met in the street. Like, at that time, we was off a made-off time. Madoff uh, got locked up and all the people mm-hmm. were coming in, plus a lot of with the um, real estate, all the all the high-level lenders, all those guys were coming in. So I had a pretty much a uh, a vast majority of people in there that was just like, I can learn from these folks. Like, I can mm-hmm. learn. I want to learn more about stocks. I want to learn more about real estate. Here's my opportunity to educate myself because I got nothing but time. That's kind of how, I, once I got that in my head and started to really grind that out, that's how I ended up doing the majority of my time.
0: So you kind of got like a, uh, you know, a little, little college crash course in, 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 in business
2: in the feds, yeah, right? I'm about to say,
1: like, dang, like, that, that's an okay. education. Like,
2: you're getting it from the best. Right. But I'm going to be honest. It was hard in the beginning. I had to weed out a lot of the, you know, because a lot of them didn't want to mess with me. You know, a lot of them wouldn't even walk across the street. You know, would walk across the street, they see me in the street, right? Yeah. So yeah. once I weeded through all those and found some real genuine guys, man, that are just, that were just really genuine, wanted to teach. Then it was like, okay, so we end up setting up a little class, and every day we would sit down and we would trade. We wouldn't trade stocks at that time, but we wanted to trade stocks, so we would do paper uh, paper trades. And my job in the feds, I worked in the print shop. I would print all the commissaries and all the um, handbooks and stuff for the prisons. So what I did, I broke. I had to look at, in my old stuff to find it. I had graph paper. I would print out graph paper, and every day, I would have my daughter send open, high, low, and close for the stocks that we were tracking. And we were paper trading right. i would do we would paper trade i would do moving averages we do all we have it all on it we figured he told us how to do all of that and we came up with a trade was trading strategy while i was in the fed so that's what we vote once we started focusing on all that that it was no turning back
0: you know that's interesting right because you know I, meeting you and speaking with you you a sharp brother you know about real estate and the stock market and all that and not knowing your full story i wouldn't have never known this is where you got the education right but let me ask you this. Um, and it may sound like a crazy question. If not for your journey where this happened to you, do you think you would have ever gotten that education on the outside? Like what, did it take you being slowed down this way and being set down for you to actually focus and do this? Like, do you think I don't want to say it's a blessing because you had to do a dime. But do you think that this this is your journey? Right. Do you think you would have ever gotten this kind of education if you weren't slowed down because of the law?
2: no i wouldn't i wouldn't have got it and i do call it a blessing because i know when we talk about hurdles it once i stopped looking at my situation as a hurdle and looked at it as opportunity that's when it got easier Mm -hmm. so for me it was a blessing that one i I wasn't killed so i always look at it that way i wasn't killed so i had the lesser of the two evils i went to prison but i ended up going to a prison where i could basically go to college and get the knowledge that i would have never gotten in the street or been in the room with some of these guys that were teaching me these things and i f- always feel like that was a blessing for me. It was meant for, for that to happen the way it did, in order for me to learn the things that I've learned and do the things that I'm doing now. It was a blessing. But also, it was the hurdle part of it was just not being with my family and you know, you know, not being able to be with my kids, that type of stuff. That was the hurdle part of getting through. And I had my ups and downs in there. But the blessing was I be, I pretty much went to Lew- Lewisburg University because I was at Lewisburg Prison. So would you say that um would you say that prison has made you a better man? Definitely. I had time to reflect on me in addition to, you know, in addition to learning a skill set, I, I end up coming out a better person, a better man, because I had time to sit down and really reflect on some of the stuff that I was doing out in the streets before and, and really start to work on me as a person.
0: You know, it's interesting like, you how, how like
2: the one mindset of the, is, right?
1: Like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah it's, it's like, you know, prison doesn't, you know, people talk about prison doesn't rehab, but I mean, it does for, yeah. for certain people, it, but it's all about mindset. Right. Right. That's, if you that's go exactly in, where I
0: was going. That's where I was going. Yeah. Across. Like,
1: that's interesting. a lot of people talk about how prison doesn't re- reform or rehabilitate. And your story is different. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, you didn't commit a violent offense. And so you got a, a, a chance to do something, you know, a lot different than some other people did. But um, you got a chance to, to sit down and rehabilitate yourself like you wanted rehabilitation. And so that's what you got out of. You know,
0: that's, that was the point I was getting ready to make, right? Unfortunately, coming from the neighborhoods that we come from, all of us know people that, you know, have done time. Um, and one of the things that I find interesting is everybody's experience is different, but it all really goes back to their mindset. You had the mindset that, okay, let me make myself a better person. But I know a lot of folks that don't have that mindset and their journey, even in prison is different because their right. mind is different. So that's just interesting to hear how you approached it, right? Um, and you said that it, that came from
2: someone in there schooling you, like someone yeah. pulled
0: you to the side, right?
2: Right, right. And, and also to my family. I, I couldn't have done it if I didn't have the support. And a lot of guys I, that I went to, you know, we did the time together, they didn't have that that support out there. So I think that also, you know, them encouraging me to do the things that I'm doing for them to come up on visits to see me. A lot of these things, did see, see their families for years. They never, mm-hmm. you know, they pretty much were forgotten. So all of those things, I think, in a nutshell, is what helped me get to where I'm at.
0: Yeah. And that's interesting, too, because you always say the cliche, like, you know, you don't do time alone. Like everybody has to do the time, even though you're the one in it. Right. Right. Um, but that support system is important. So, you know, for folks that got people that may have made a mistake or whatever, like, you know, don't turn your back on them because you never know. Your story is inspiring. Um, how you, you you said yourself, you become a better man and turn your life around um, by getting that time. Right. Well, that's 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 very interesting. That whole mindset thing. Mm. Um, so now. After you get to the end of this journey, uh, you know, during the time and, and you come out, what has your focus
2: uh, been since you've come home? OK, so I, I just want to back up a little bit because this is the most important part of why I'm doing what I'm doing today. OK. When in, uh, in 2011, the Philadelphia Daily News did a piece on how mandatory minimums led to a surge of inmates and they used my case as an example. OK. Right. So I. I see that paper. I read it. It was a good piece. He wrote, you know, he talked about the facts, you know, the stuff that me being a first time offense and how, you know, if the judge wasn't tied by this law, he probably could have given me lower, but he couldn't because he was bound by law to give me a minimum of 10. So about a week later, a gentleman wrote in the comment section about my, my case and the piece and pretty much trashed me. When I say trash me, I'm like, I ain't a good father. I ain't, I'm just a drug dealer. I ain't a good husband. I, he just went in on the fact that of, you know the stereotype. Here's somebody yes. who's in prison. He, he he wants somebody to be feel th- feel sorry for him, but I don't feel sorry for him because he's just a drug dealer. Pretty much, It's what with, with the captain yes. said, and I still carry that to this day. I have it laminated because that made me think: if this man feel this way about me, how the rest of the world gonna feel about me when I come home? So that's so why I really need to get myself together. So fast forward to 2017, I come home. For me, I wanted to. I wanted to. Not just change my, my narrative, but I wanted to be I wanted to tell my story. I wanted to be that person to say, "Hey, this is my this is my story," and I want to tell it. I don't want you to tell it. So for me, I would go around. I would talk. I would talk to people. I would do motivational speaking, then I would start um, um, volunteering, doing things for Men's Fit, um, just working with, with 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 returning citizens because that was something I was you know was was important to me, and I wanted to share my story because I wanted to wanted it to be inspirational. So I end up getting um so Celeste Trusty, who at the time worked for an organization called FAM, Families Against Mandatory Minimums, and they're a great organization out of DC, who basically was uh following me through my whole time, was locked up. And she said, you know what, you tell you have a great story, and it's a fellowship, a journalism, criminal justice journalism fellowship that you would be great for. I'm like, all right, you know, I'll try it. Why not? And at the time they was giving a stipend and I'm still pretty much fresh out the uh, high <laughs> yeah, 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 So I needed yeah. that money, right? You know, so I signed up for it and ended up getting it. Now, that changed everything because now um this is the, the journalism side that kind of came into, into play. And that's when I ended up meeting the co-ED at Resolve Philly, where I currently work at now, Jean Rodolski. And she gave me a job. Well, they were hiring. I decided, you know what, I could do community engagement work all the time. I know community, but I just got to learn the journalism side. But I'm going to throw my name in the hat anyway and end up getting a gig. So that's how I end up doing the stuff that I'm doing now with you know being a part of the journalism process being a part of the community and also you know bridging those gaps between communities and journalists and trying to get them to understand that the stories that you write have to reflect the communities that you report on and you have to do it accurately and for, yeah. for people to trust you
0: wow man that's interesting right so that that comes that goes back to that whole idea of networking and taking advantage of opportunities yeah, that are put in front
1: of you, right. you, you got right. some amazing right. opportunities in life and not that you got those opportunities but the way you've taken advantage of those opportunities because a lot of people get those same opportunities and fumble them joints and just right. you know what or, I mean, or and don't look, take action at all right yeah like or get it and fumble it or don't have any action taken on it at all every time you're presented with an opportunity you take it and run and that's mm-hmm. that's the other part that i want people to get from this interview Every time that you were presented with an opportunity to make your life better, you took it, even if even though your decision making wasn't the you know, we all make poor decisions at some point, but the the thing about it is you've made way more good decisions than bad decisions because the decisions that you make have put you in the place you're in now. So I commend you on everything that you've done,
0: yeah, man. This is this is powerful stuff, man. The one thing I want to ask you about is I know a lot of times when Corey and I speak to um. The youth, one of the things we talk about is like the idea of, you know, life being a chessboard and understanding the rules of the game and, you know, what you would talk about in terms of mandatory minimums and how that game is played. Like, so I guess the question I'm trying to ask is, um, what is it like now that you've been through this experience and you see kind of how the cards are stacked against us in terms of sentencing, in terms of how we're perceived, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, yep. um, h- how has that changed you?
2: We are, I can't say I guess we can say that we always knew that it would be challenging for us. And I say us being people. of color. We already know it's a challenge. We already know that. But until you actually go through it yourself and really see it in your face and there's nothing you could do about it. That's really what really woke me up and why I'm so big on speaking with folks, talking with youth, working in communities, because it's like, yo, this is not a game like this can happen to you. You know, it can be a, the most far-fetched thing in the world, but they a lot of times it happens and it's true. So please, if you can learn from my mistakes, do that. So that's what really changed me, just being more of an advocate of, yo, come on, man, like this is serious out here and it's not a game. So hopefully, you know, me speaking and others doing the things that we're doing out here can help change. So that, that was my biggest takeaway from that.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you this question. Right. So, I, um, you know, you talked about like hurdle. Would you say that your biggest hurdle throughout your journey to, to get you to where you are today is that? the idea of um, not being around your family? What would you say is your biggest hurdle?
2: Yeah, I think at that time, that was probably the the biggest hurdle. It was just like, it wasn't, you know, I was, I ain't gonna sit here and say I wasn't, I was confident in everything. Of course, I was scared. I was like, you know, I'm stepping out my element. You know, I'm doing things that I never did before. But I was just so determined. That's why I kind of overcame that. But the hurdle of not being around my kids, Seeing my son was three when I went in. He was 11 when I came home. My daughter was 10 when she went in. She was 18 when I came home, missing all of that that was a, that was a challenge for me. And it's still a challenge to this day because I still don't feel, and they never said this to me, but I still feel like they resent me for not being around at those times,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know? And I think it's still a hurdle, it's still a work in progress with my children because okay. again, you know, we're, I, me and their mother are divorced now. Like I had a divorce, like actually, they, my, they took my house. I had a house at the time we were living in, and they took it because of the drugs and all the different things that happened that they got, they had to witness it's still an ongoing challenge for me to this day,
0: man, that's tough. I mean, right. you know, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. But, um, that that's tough. I mean, this is part of, uh, you know, these stories and these journeys that a lot of people don't see. Right. So life has its ups and downs. Right. Um, you know, man, that's tough, but, uh, you know, I guess you're working through it and, and trying to do the best that you can, mm-hmm. you know, it's the card you dealt. So let me ask you this though. So, so now you come home, you get this opportunity, you're getting into the journalism um tell us about the, going back into real estate investing how you right. know how'd that come about for you
2: okay so i started buying so i, I was you know I was, I was selling coke at the time and i started I, once once i started understanding credit and learning about it i started to do you know get get i ended up getting a loan i finally got a loan i got to start so i bought i ended up buying three houses before i got locked up uh-huh and one of them they ended up taking, but I still had the two now. So for me, it was just kind of like trial and error, getting out there, learning, learning, you know, the areas, learning where, you know, the opportunities coming in. My house that I have in, in Kensington right now, I paid $25,000 for it in, in 03. You know, wow. now that thing, they actually build, put building new construction on the block right now, mm. brand new construction. So I, that was a good one. I had one in the Northeast, it's huge, uh, building in the Northeast that I had that I've rented out, and I had that since 2016, like, I mean, I 20, um, I'm sorry, two, 2006. Yeah. I had that since 2006. So it's like, for me, it was like, I know, I see how they do it. I see how they purchase properties, how this thing appreciates over time. Yeah, you have some bumpy you know, markets, whatever, but for the most part, compounded year over year, you're going to make out with this property. So it was yeah. like, all right, that's a way that I can bring in passive income because I look at real estate like this. I look at real estate like a stock. You know, you buy your stock and you buy a stock with dividends. Some have dividends. So they're paying you to own this stock. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at real estate. I, I bought this, the real estate, the stock and I get the dividends the rent every month. And mm-hmm. I just let it sit and I let it compound over years and over years and over years. I was never one to flip. I always wanted to buy and hold, always buy and hold to this day.
0: Yeah, man, that's that's, that's great stuff, man. So you got that going for you. Mm-hmm. You got the journalism going for you. You're working in the communities. Um, this is amazing, man. Your, your journey, um, and I'm pretty sure this episode will inspire folks that may be going through what you're going through. So I know that you you make it your business to, to talk to returning citizens and to help others that may be going through some of the things that you went through um what has that work been like for you uh as you see yourself helping others that you know that walk that are
2: currently walking the path that you went through to be honest it's hard and the part of it that why i say it's rewarding that i'm able to do it but it's hard because if i can't you know some people you can say whatever you want to say it's it's up to them to you know to want to accept that and when i when i'm when i'm having conversations when i'm in the communities and i'm seeing that Sometimes I just don't feel like I'm doing enough. So it's mentally draining. It really is. Even though I don't stop it, it's really, it's been weighing on me, especially with the gun violence and stuff. And it's like, you want to, you know, to to try to make sure that they don't go down the same road that you went down. But at the end of the day, it's like, it's only but so much you can do. And I think for me, reminding myself that planting a seed is just as important because the seed may not grow while I'm standing there. It may grow down the road. But that seed is planted. And I have to remind myself because otherwise, sometimes I go to bed stressed out thinking about all the things that I want to do, all the things that I wish I could do, but knowing that I don't have the power to do it all in one day, obviously.
0: Man, that's a gem right there, man. I am I like that. With that. that Just that phrase, planting the seed is important. I think that we forget that a lot of times, not just in community work, like you just went through the real estate thing and investing, right? You planted that seed years ago. And like you just talked about Kensington. You planted that seed years ago, right? right. So a lot of times I think that we don't um, focus enough on just planting the seed because you don't know um, when it's going to have that harvest. But planting the seed is is part of the process and probably the most important part because, again, it's taking action. And what I will say to you is that I totally understand your frustration, but but you can't stop because right. if you save one life, that means it's worth it. And I'm right. pretty sure that, you know, um, you sharing your story and, and being transparent and open about it and talking about your mistakes um will help others man core you
1: have some questions for the brother i do so do you think um your, your ownership journey helped you through your um incarceration time
2: definitely yeah you're talking about as far as having a uh, real estate yeah yeah definitely because that helped out the money coming in for that helped now you know my parents they was doing the best they could but that 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 property owning that property the rent coming in and i was thankful because Two of the oh, actually one of them are, are still my my tenant from way back when, but both houses they were there the whole time, so I didn't have to worry about them coming. You know, having to be an empty and all like I had great tenants. They paid on time, and that really helped out through the journey because I knew when I came home at least I had that foundation still there. I could build on that
1: so you you weren't in a rush when you came home you had something you had a little nest egg to the side no i'm still in a rush me. In a, <laughs> no 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 i'm just saying no like you wasn't going you wasn't going to starve you wasn't going to miss a meal no. on, on when you got home so right. not that you know the opportunities was able to present themselves because you was able to you know take your time and look at the opportunities instead of you know i'm hungry i gotta i gotta get right back out here right now you know what i mean like
0: I mean, we've seen that but we've seen people do that, jump right back into the same thing they yeah, got because they, they don't
1: have they don't have that nest egg to decide. Well, they don't that, have that the, goes the,
0: to planting a seed. But yeah. go ahead. Though, no,
1: no, that, that's why I was gonna take it. You know, that yeah. goes back to the seeds being planted, giving you the opportunity to look at things and being able to do things. So, you know, there's a lot of gems in what you're saying and what you're doing, but the thing about right. it is that you thought about your future self when you were your younger self, even when you weren't making the best decisions. Right. you still thought about your future self um you know like i said we all we none of us have a crystal ball and i'm never going to be the one to say you know people shouldn't sell drugs and all this mm-hmm. other stuff because i grew up in the heart of north philly and, and drugs got slang right. you know what i mean so you know what i mean so that's not this is not about judgment this is just about you know the process like you said mm-hmm. you know what i mean you went through a lot of things and you went through those things because you know, you got caught doing what you was doing. You, you took full responsibility for it So said, look, I did what I did. You know what right. I mean? Like, So there's nothing else to say about it. You you took responsibility for it. You did the time for it. And then you made amends for it in your actions. So there's right. nothing else to be said about that. And like I said, that's commendable. So do your thing, you know what I mean, and continue to do your thing. man. I just, like I said, I want to commend you on the things that you're doing now and the decisions that you're making now. I appreciate it, but I, I like to be so transparent when I have these
2: interviews, and I'm, I'm excited about this because I, throughout the interviews that I've had, I've never really got to talk about the, the you know, the, these, the, this type of conversation, the, the the houses, the doing the real estate, they're the talking about the real, like I don't really get to talk about it so much. So to be able to talk about it today, I appreciate you guys for having me on and having this discussion, and I also want to share that, and this is where, I know a lot of folks that you know that that come home, men and women, find themselves in like these little. Having these challenges, and I went through those those same things where I thought about, like, man, I could just go back and then real quick, and you know what I mean. Like when mm-hmm. everything wasn't, yeah. Again, I was, I came, I still came home in a rush. I still, I'm, I'm way more patient than I was before, but I still have that those moments, and I just want to be transparent about that. Like it's it's still you have to continue to work on this mental because you can even with the foundation that I had, there were still times where I was like, Shh, man, you know what, you know, and I didn't. But it took some me reaching out to a friend, me reaching out to, you know, my parents or somebody just saying, like, you know, I'm, I'm having some struggles here. But and they would just say, listen, you came this far. Don't look back. Just continue on. You know, I had to be encouraged, too. So I just want everybody to know, like, it's, you know, we have these moments. You just got to continue to fight through it.
0: Yeah. And, and that's that's the importance of having a network or right. uh, folks to help you. And, you know, I want to shout out your family again, because one of the things that Damn is man. coming through in this conversation is how many times you talked about your family. They showed been you love, very, man. Right. Yeah. And that's so, that's so important. And and I don't want you to take, no, not you, but I don't want even me or any of us to take that for granted because Mm -hmm. one of the things that all of us know from the work we do is some people don't have that. Right. right? Some people don't have anybody that they can like, you know, fall back on. So that's why we can't be too judgmental because some folks out here, man, really are struggling don't have family to fall back on. Yeah. But um, one of the things that's interesting as you talk about that is um, one of the things that's, that's, that's happened to me over the last couple of years I used to be one of these guys that thought that most of our problems in our community were like, you know, um, as Corey likes to say, uh, economic problems with social consequences. Right. Mm-hmm. Where if we were able to understand money, how to get our money right, that it would help a lot of us. But through mm-hmm. the work, I've, I think I'm kind of like changing a little bit. Right. I'm going through this. This Don't thing. Change, I think it's still, it's still, just, still, hear still, me, still. Hear me. Out, hear me out. I'm going through this thing because I put a lot of thought into this, man, because like Derek said, there's some times where doing the work can be frustrating. When you see the gun violence and you see kids that we know are bright kids that are just like killing each other and all this but in talking to them one of the things that i recognize is mental health mm. might be half of the i think now now where i'm at now is is economic and it's mental health right yep. So I think they might be 50-50, Corey. That's where I'm going with it. And this is just coming from it's, my it's experience. Though, right?
1: Because you you can get more help if you have more resources, right? Understood. So not, understood. Not, to, not to say that you're wrong about the, the mental because I work in the mental health field. Yeah. And so I see it every day. But my thing is, when you have more resources, then you can you have uh, the, the things that are available to the people who have more resources aren't available to the people who don't have those same resources
0: no no i get that but one of the things about our history and how mental health has been stigmatized, so some people actually have resources and still don't, don't get the help them. that they need yep, because yeah. of the way mental health is looked at in our community and that that's the only thing i'm saying i still think that a lot of it are economic problems but i think that mental health is a huge part of it um you know that's just where i'm at with it based upon the work and talking to kids because yeah a lot of times, you know, we'll see the result of all these things, which is the gun violence, the robberies, the carjackings, all these things. But most of these kids—I'm mean, not even going to say all of them—most of these kids were born innocent. And when you talk to them and talk about some of the things they've seen along their journey, you say, "Oh, okay." Whether whether it's like you know, abuse, sexual abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse, um, what they've seen in their households. And that's not all of them, but it's a it's a large majority of them yeah. have, have uh, come from situations where not to say you understand, but it's like, wow. Um, so the mental health part is, is, is tough. So I, the reason I'm having this whole conversation with you is when you do the work, do you see some of these same things or what is what is your standpoint
2: when it comes to like mental health? You're right on point with that, because for me, that's kind of been my shift. I didn't. I was one of those who didn't. Well, I mean, that's again, like you talk about. We talk about the the, the going to the to a therapist is taboo in our community. We know that. You know mm-hmm. what happens in this house stay in this house. That's how we all grew up. Man, listen. So, <laughs> so for me, it was like until twenty nineteen. I went. I started seeing a therapist in twenty nineteen, and in twenty nineteen is when I really under started to understood and started connecting the dots in my life. Even went back to. Why now I knew why I sold drugs. Like, it, it, once I started connecting the dots of how I grew up, even though I had a two parent household and not like the traditional, uh, you know, single parent h- household, the trauma that was happening within my household and the things that was going on. And and my mom would always say, I'm, I'm tired of living from check to check. I mean, they had arguments and fighting, physically fighting, and hearing yeah. all that. For me, that triggered something. So that's why I was like, I'm never going to be broke ever. I'm never living check to check, you know, and just kind of helped influence my decision making, even though it might not have been the best. But just to get back to your, your your question, when I talk to kids, I think that's the thing because the cycle of them seeing whatever they're seeing constantly plays on their mental, whether people believe it or not. But until we take advantage of the resources, I don't know if having the resources in the community is great. Yes, I, I totally agree with Corey on that. We need the resources, more resources and more resources. But if we have this, still have this stigma about therapy, -hmm. And we don't want to take advantage of it, it doesn't do anything if it's on the block.
1: Because they're not going Mm -hmm.
2: in seeing anybody, you know? And I Mm -hmm. think that's where the frustration's coming in at. I'm having conversations with what and I'm finding more and more when we start having deep conversations with them, with the youth, yeah, that's what comes up. It's things that they're tired of, it's things that they want to deal with, it's it's low self-esteem, it's all these different things that they're dealing with, but they don't know how. And social media times ten makes it worse. And I think that's where I find a challenge is because I hate social media. I know I, I have to do it. That's kind of you know a part of, the, of life now. But I think that's where we need to have more focus on working with youth and adults around mental health and taking advantage of the resources that they're having in their communities.
1: Yeah. See, but stuff. the thing that y'all, what, what they're seeing on social media is the rock star lifestyle, the you know what I mean the the money, clothes, and in the in the in the you know billionaires and millionaires and people telling them, you know, everybody's showing their best side. They ain't showing right. them all the hard work it takes to get there. They just showing them the end result. And so that's, that's all economic, right? So I'm not saying that, which, what I'm saying is they're being fed this right from before birth. They're being fed this you know money money is the the, the king and, and you have to you know live and, and so that's part of the mental that's part of the trauma mm-hmm. right these kids are tired of being poor
0: right well, to i understand people. that part Cor, what i'm saying is like first off the majority of it's a lie anyway it's not even true it's been we know proven know time and, and time again so, so i get that but what i'm saying is someone that you know um has the help or is, is, is and it's, it's difficult in today's time, right? So I have a nephew who's a teenager, so I understand how people look at social media. I get all that, but if they understand what's real and what's not, right? I don't think that having more resources solves that, right? So just getting more resources to try to buy the things that people are lying about anyway. um No, that's how we it's, end- not
1: to, it's not about buying things. It's, the, it's about the ability to have options, right? And so what they feel is powerless, because they don't have options.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: this is about power. This is not about act the actual money, it's about the the options that the money gives you. This yeah, is but what I'm saying
0: them. is the reason I'm making this shift and thinking that it's just 50-50 is because even as they acquire the power, how many people you know have money and power and are still miserable and are oh, still again.
1: Gonna... Yeah, they so don't use I'm their options is, properly. Like what, I'm with, saying what you're is saying, the mental, is the mental health health
0: part has to be a part of it. I don't really yeah. care how many resources we get. If we're empty inside and don't understand, most people sure. don't even get up a day day after day and even know. And, you know, from Corey, we we know that when we do seminars and talk to kids or talk to even adults and we ask them what makes them happy, most can't answer that
1: question. They can't even answer the question. Because so most I people, think it
2: goes hand in hand. And that's why I think like I think it's something that needs to go hand in hand. I think yeah. that the, the financial, you know, the, the financial part of it, as well as the mental health, because once you say once you get the money, you got to have you got to be in a healthy space. You yeah. know, or at least try to be in a healthy space. So if you don't have, you can't have. I kind of feel like yeah. in nowadays, you can, it's almost like you can't have one without the other if you really
0: want to be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I definitely agree with that, man. So, I mean this is a great conversation, man, because um, you know, we're talking to someone who's out there doing the work and and has a perspective from 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 what you're doing. So I, I love that you you know can share your perspective of doing this work. So um what does the future look like for you what are some of the things that you're looking to work on in the future now you've been home you're getting yourself established you've you've, you know you've planted more seeds right um you know you're building your real estate empire you're working in the community you're working in media now what does the future hold
2: for you what are some of the things you want to do i'm chasing a lifestyle and that lifestyle is I get up in the morning and I do what I want to do. It's no dollar amount. There's no kind of like, okay, I want to make I want to have 30 houses. I want to be in the market. It's really not about a dollar amount. It's really about a lifestyle for me. I started to learn that early on when I was in prison about how important time is and what you do with it. And before I was grind, 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 grind. Where now I'm I'm not I'm still grind, but I'm learning that time is valuable and you need to take you know you need to take advantage of that so putting myself in a position to where i have passive income whatever that looks like enough to be able to live and and kind of call my own shots i think that's my future you know i think that's so important to me i had a um a mentor and he told me before and i asked him you know what was your hardest decision he said my hardest decision of the day is what i'm gonna eat You know what I mean? For real, that was his heart. You know, he was so he he put himself and he's not a multi-millionaire or anything like that. But he's content with his life. Everything's taken care of. And that's the hardest decision of the day for him. That's what I'm that's my future. I want my day to get up and say what's the the hardest thing I'm going to say is what I'm going to eat today. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, you know, throughout this journey.
0: Right. I'm pretty sure you talk about some of the studying you think you did when you were in prison. What would you say is um? your favorite book or book that inspired you along this journey that you've taken thus far?
2: Trader Vic, um, the master of the, of wall street. Yeah. The master of wall street. Yeah. Trader Vic, really good book. And with, and the reason why I love that book because not because he talked about, you know, um, uh, uh, strategies, he talked about all that, but he had a portion of it was about more of your mental talking about how you have to not get caught up in your emotions when you're a trader how not to get caught up in certain things. Because when you have a plan, no matter what your emotion is, the plan is the plan. So you stick to it. So he kind of tied in your mental health into trading. And I thought that was so bright for me. And I ended up applying that in other areas of my life. Just having that plan and being, you know, and understanding that you have confidence in this plan. You put the work into this plan. And no matter what your emotion is, you follow that plan. This is the end result because you know that because of repetition. So I think okay, that, man. for me, was probably one of the most powerful books that I well, read.
0: I'm looking at it now. Trader Vic, Methods of a Wall Street yes. Master. Yes. I just added it to my list. I haven't actually haven't read that book before. So definitely want nice. to add that to the list. Trader Vic. A, mm-hmm. That's a new one. We never heard that one on here before. So appreciate that. Um, man, Derek, this has been amazing, man. I, I just want to thank you, first and foremost, for your transparency, your honesty, um, and your
2: and your willingness to share your story and help others. I just want to say thank you. We definitely appreciate you, good brother. I appreciate you guys having me on. Man. Thank you. Thank you again. Keep doing all the great work that you're doing. I hear so much about you guys. That's why I hit my man. up. He's like, you gotta get with Jimmy. Uh, they do they do. <laughs> so I appreciate y'all, man.
0: No, listen. And we're gonna do some work in the in the future, man. I want to uh, shout out to my brother Kerry, um, who uh, my brother Kerry is working on a program now. He's trying to put all the pieces together, but it's about returning citizens or or the youngsters that we're trying to keep out of going to the right. into the system. So I'll definitely be reaching out to you to see if you can be a part of that and then come speak to them as uh, we try to put together a program for the youth. Um, before we got out of here, Corey, you got any more questions good brother?
1: Nah, man, this was cathartic. <laughs> this was, you know, able to talk to somebody that's really out here doing the work that you, you know, everybody that we talk to is doing something, but right. you know, somebody that's doing things that similar to what we're doing. Yeah. So I appreciate, you know, his journey in, in, in the way his, you know, it's playing out. So thank you again.
0: Thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. And just know Derek, guys, you know, regardless of everything, brother, you're appreciated. I want you to know that because we need more people on the front lines, um, you know, trying to help these babies out here, man, especially in the yeah. city that we in, it's wild out here. So right, you know, um, but your work is definitely appreciated, and thank you for sharing your story with our community, man. Um, and and much continued success. And you know, we're here as a resource for anything that you need, good brother.
2: All right, appreciate you guys. Thanks thank you again.
0: Absolutely. To our audience out there, make sure that you follow Derek. I put all of his handles and everything within the description as well as the show notes. Uh, hit him up if you got any questions, but make sure you follow his work and, and, and help support him in any way that you possibly can. Um, as we always say, it's not about how much money you make, it's about how much you keep. Game elevates and we shall see you guys on our next episode. We love y'all. Peace. Yeah.